The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm going to take my glasses off right now if you're watching on YouTube. I've, I've tried to do something like new with my lighting <laughs> and nothing's working. So maybe when I bring my guest and we can talk about in 2024, which is terrifying that that's actually going to be the year, maybe I'm going to change a, like a set, like do more of a set. I, if you watch me on YouTube, you can see my Peloton that I never use behind me, um, a bunch of hats, my hat wall. And also, if you watch on YouTube, there's usually laundry on the floor, which I didn't realize until recently, or one of my labs is always walking in. But so embarrassing that I'm such a slob that, I mean, I'm the worst with I'm not a very good homemaker. I'm just going to say that if I lived in the 60s, I joke about this all the time. I would nobody would have married me because I would have like, I don't know how to cook clean or what's the other thing that people are supposed to do as women back in the day, cook clean, take care of kids. Well, I do that. Um, can you explain to me what I'm missing in the 1950s, 60s and prior housewife that they were supposed to do cook clean what else? I think and be sexy, right? Like wasn't there oh, do everything. Was, that was another function, right? Yeah. It was to be entertaining and also after you've given birth and done and cooked a meal and you got cooked food at the ready, you've got makeup on that you're just looking to perfection. And you have like you, you have, want to engage sexually all the time. Yeah, and you have like husband. a pot roast like in the oven and you're in your like little like 
poodle skirt and you're like there you go okay but before i introduce this my gorgeous guest um so i have a birthday in two days and i am a sagittarius i'm a proud sagittarius the aging process is i don't know I don't know. It is not an easy one for me. I'm having a hard time with this number. <laughs> As I keep going up in the numbers, I try to remember what my mom always tells me. And it's, um, at least you're on this side of the dirt, which is true. I don't know. Is that a bad thing? Because you're a clinical counselor, so you can tell. Me. So I, I tried to think, oh, this is what I really want to tell my listeners and you too. So I tried to think about this yesterday because I'm going to give my husband some, some kudos, even though he married like the worst housewife ever. Um, I yesterday was surprised. I am a huge, I, I don't think my listeners know this about me. And I'm most definitely don't think, I know you don't know this about me. I am a huge lover of animals and I love dogs specifically and cows and horses and pretty much I love animals. There's a few I like I could do without rats, but I whatever. Um, but I went yesterday to this place called the Gentle Barn. So if you're local to Los Angeles, it's in Santa Clarita. And my husband said, oh, we're going on a surprise for your birthday in a few days. This is one of your surprises. So of course I was like, are we going shopping? Are you dropping me off to get a facelift? He was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yes, Megan, I'm dropping you off to get a facelift. You are insane. And what if the answer to that was yes? What kind of person would I be? I was like, I would actually be okay with that. I'm one of those people that would be okay with like that because it, he knows, I know this is so, I'm talking to a clinical counselor already and she's giving me the side eye. Um, so we go and we drive for an hour and the entire hour, I'm like, where are we going? Are we going shopping? I'm so excited. There's no, I, I hope you're not taking me skiing because it was getting colder. We were heading towards like mountains and then I figure out where we're going. We went to this place called the Gentle Burn, and I will give them a plug. They have all rescued animals. So they have rescued cows that were rescued from slaughter. These cows that I met, I know all of their names. I memorized all their names. One's name was Holy Cow. One's name is Madonna. Athena. I love cows. I'm really strange. I love, love, love cows. Cows are a lot like human beings. I don't know if you know this about cows. So I don't eat meat. I haven't eaten meat in years. I started to be a vegetarian for like health reasons. And then it turned into yesterday. I'm like, I'm never eating meat again after sitting with my cows. And anyways, I'm going off on a tangent. It was the best, most wonderful surprise to sit there and hug my cows. And I really do sometimes really prefer animals to people. I'm gonna introduce my guest right now. We've all been put here for a reason and we all deserve acceptance. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. I'm a trauma survivor from a really young age and I have been diagnosed with complex PTSD in the past few years. I've been surrounded by death and abuse much of my life. I've been dragged through the mud and have been to the point of not wanting to go on anymore. Through my interviews with other survivors, I've learned that there is a way out. 
From recovering to surviving and thriving, we all have the strength to come out the other side. You are listening to Judging Megan. Andrea Vada, who is a clinical counselor, a teacher, and an author, and a podcaster. Her podcast is called Rock the Bottom Podcast. Her book is called Rock the Bottom. I had the honor of meeting Andrea. <laughs> Call you that the whole time. I'm joking. I'm being bad now. Um, because I was on her podcast uh, probably about like two and a half years ago, maybe even longer or less time. And she is wonderful. And when I met her once again, she's one of those very special people that I'm just so excited to have on. And we've been playing tag, getting each other, getting each other like to be pinned down and get her on, et cetera. Thank you so much for coming on today. Do you have any thoughts on what I just said? I know it was a mouthful. (laughs) Well, I loved um, following up to the discussion about how you love cows and then and then being introduced. So I'm gonna take that as like a, a distinction of like true care that if I can be like parceled together <laughs> with your love of cows that we're doing well because I absolutely adore cows too. Like, are, are you joking? So love- no, I'm so into it. Like they cuddle, they play with balls. Like they're so they interactive and just love humans. Um, okay. I knew I was obsessed with you already when, when I was on your podcast, we like grew, I, 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 you remember like we just immediately clicked and Martin Lockett, by the way, is her, um, co-host. He also was on my podcast. Shout out Martin. I was on theirs. I love Martin. He's one of my favorite people. He's an amazing speaker. Um, so please check out their podcast because it's really, really, really good. And the message behind it is great. And we're all in the same lane. But going back to the cows, because that's basically what we're going to talk about, everybody, for the next <laughs> hour. Um, okay. It's really strange. Let me explain to you. I was not into cows until, I don't know, one of my best friends, Josh, is... Um, Josh Rosebrook. So he has a skincare company. He's a vegan. He loves animals like I do. And I guess like one day he started telling me about cows. And then I went down the rabbit hole of like researching cows. And then it sealed the deal because for the past like two and a half years, all I've talked about is how I want to go see cows with my husband. He's like, where did this come from? I'm like, I don't know. I just love them. I know so much about them. And then when you go and you look into their eyes, I think I've lo- I'm losing audience today by this story because I sound <laughs> like I'm going literally like off my rocker. What, you guys, please listen to me. When you go and you look into the eyes of a cow, <laughs> it's like, I can't even explain it. It's so amazing. And then they love to have hugs and these particular cows I met yesterday, a lot of them were beaten and prodded and saved, like fed, like in, with GMOs. And now they're like 3,000 pound cows when cows are actually only supposed to be what, like a thousand at most. So anyways, I'm going to go off of my cow tangent and just say, I you had me at hello, but now you have me even more at hello because you also share your passionate love of cows. That's it. 
And I don't think that you're, you know, that you're a strange convert because even I introduced uh, my partner recently to uh, some cow videos for him to watch. And he was like, I have never seen cows like this before. And he's a meat eater. And he was like, I don't know. Like he gave it a thought because I think people have such a disconnect. So I'm, I'm feeling you. I know that this is I, not what we wanted the show to no, be No, but I'm but literally so kind important. of, I'm kind of freaked out that I have of all days, somebody, when I bring this up, that is also a lover of cows. It's not a typical passion to be like, hi, my name's Megan. I love, <laughs> I love sushi, cows, a buttery Chardonnay and a caftan. It's not like something <laughs> that people bring up often in conversation. So True. thank God. True. Okay. okay. I want to start with about you and I'm going to shut up because I think I just talked for 10 minutes, which isn't not common. Let's talk about your story. I want to talk about where, let's start like I always do with where you're from. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. Okay, let's go deep. Uh, so I'm, I'm across the line and I'm in Canada, Vancouver, BC, um, where I was born and raised. Uh, and, and my childhood certainly factors into, you know, my story as it does for most. Um, I, was an intense little being that kind of came into a world where um, I was surrounded by substance misuse and domestic violence. And so that sort of shaped me right off the bat in my family of origin in terms of how I moved into the world. And, uh, you know, you, you learn in an environment like that, like how to stay safe and staying safe means like how you move you move to please others, right? So most of us can identify with some element of people pleasing somewhere along the line in our, you know, in our own personal experience. Um, I became very good at that at a very young age. And, and then I moved outside of my family of origin and continued with behaviors like that, that weren't necessarily warranted with the people that I was encountering, but you, you get stuck in that way of being. And so you're always sort of shape-shifting, trying to find that space that, keeps things okay so that you feel better so that so that things feel safe uh because that's what you did when you were small um so i, I feel like that's important kind of just to set the stage i guess for you know for the for the story that we're sharing today tell me um well i'm first of all very sorry to hear about you know the abuse the things that shape our lives it sounds to me like you're an ace also a trauma survivor from a young age. Were you ever diagnosed? Like I personally have the diagnosis of complex PTSD, which I did not actually get that diagnosis until a few years ago because people didn't even know what it was. Um, what, like, I know we're going to kind of go more into your story to present day, but what are some of the things that have like carried with, that you've carried with you into your adulthood? from your childhood? That's a great question. Uh, and I mean, PTSD, like I'm sure it, as we know, and probably many of your listeners, that's something that's so identifiable and isn't diagnosed and often until like later on. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, in, in my case, I think again, in hindsight, everything is always 2020. So uh, my story was more that I internalized and manifested physical ailments based on 
how how I experienced my childhood, but then moreover how I moved through the the years in that people pleasing mode or in that way of trying to stay safe or or as I say, feel better, like make sure that everything around me felt better, that the people around me felt okay. Um, and so it started, I guess, like, you know, with things like gastrointestinal distress as a young person, right? Which isn't that uncommon. People can relate to that where you just, your tummy hurts a lot, right? Your tummy's hurting a lot. Um, I had migraines, I think, like in my teen years. And um, uh, it, so, so slow, slow start to those kind of physical ailments. And then, you know, as I got into life and into my 30s and uh, the stakes got a little bit higher in, in terms of life in general, children, marriage, relationships, uh, you know, financial stuff, uh, job, career, all of those pressures, um, it began to escalate and I began having very in intense kind of uh, what we thought were migraines at that time. I was seeking diagnosis in my late 30s for um, what they called migraines, but I was losing the use of one side of my body for a period of time. I was experiencing um, aphasia. So like the loss of the use of words, uh, having like jamais vu. So being in situations that were very familiar that suddenly would become unfamiliar, um, <clears throat> losing um, uh, vision for periods of time. Um, and I, I pursued a diagnosis for, I think, three or four years. Um, trying to determine what that was again coming up a little bit shorted in hindsight uh, because it was just well these are complex migraines um, and they were it's so interesting that you bring this up because I don't think for all I mean I've been doing this I started it in 2020 I've I talk a lot about um, adverse childhood experiences is what ace and ace is so you're an ace I'm an ace and Obviously, like, I didn't even know I was an ace until, like, I don't know, when I started the podcast and I had Sam, who who uh, came on, uh, Samantha, a guest of mine, and um, she runs, she runs an organization, and now I'm blanking on the name. Of course, this would happen to me when I'm telling a story. Maybe I'm going to put it in the show notes because I'm a huge advocate of what she does. But when I had her on, it was kind of like, oh my God, that's what I am. I am that. And that's what you are. And then you start to go think back on your life and all the things that have happened if you're a trauma survivor. But never when I have people on, do they talk about the physical stuff? Right. Usually people don't, they don't they don't put mind and body together, right? I mean, the migraine thing, I don't think I've ever had a guest on in all of these years that's talked about this, the vision, like you're going to talk about. Um, but also the fact that the stomach issues, I mean, this is also common in children, especially children of abuse. So if you don't mind me asking, was, are you comfortable answering this? And if you're not, I can edit it out. Um, was it physical? Was it mental? Uh, in my experience, mm -hmm. I, I was the uh, one family member in the dynamic um, that wasn't physically hurt. So I witnessed um, abuse with my sibling, uh, with my parent and my sibling, and then my parent and my other parent. Um, but I, because I became a people pleaser at such a young age, I was able to kind of assess and figure out the how I could stay safe and potentially um, 
use use what I was doing to distract mm -hmm. uh, the parent from harming the other family members. So, which is a lot like, again, this is all like hindsight. Like I wasn't some strategic three or four year old that was like, hey, this is how I've got it solved. But in looking back, like there were there were things that I was that I was doing that I was favored for and and I um, and I recognized that they could be, uh, I guess, valuable at that time. And that just became the no, the, but it's so it's so common because it's like if you're in a in in a situation, whether it be mental, physical abuse, anything like that, that you're taking on without a fully developed brain, as you know, um, you're it's going to manifest into something. So for a lot of people, for me, it's the mental side, although right. I am a recovering um, I, I am recovering from an eating disorder for many of many years. So I did kind of, I, I went to the self-harm place, but I just, I find that whole thing so interesting and you're, I'm not a doctor. You are a clinical counselor. Can you explain why that is? Can you explain the physical? I mean, it, it may all make sense, but is there a reason behind it? Well, I think in my own personal experience, I would step outside of what I've been trained to do or mm -hmm. educated to do. And um, in 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 my experience of all of this in the um, in the years, most recently in the last four years, coming to recollection. Um, and again, when I say the last four years, I mean because uh, four years ago, uh, just over four years ago, I attempted to take my own life because things got as hard as they did. Mm -hmm. um, and it was only after that period of time within that space where I started to be able to reflect back and look at some of the reasons, you know, why I, I experienced physical manifestation versus um, emotion. I mean, emotion was of course there, but I think that, and I feel strongly now that because our minds and bodies, as you were saying, we tend to separate them, right? And now the holistic approach brings them back together. Uh, that a lot of our bodies become the playground for our minds. And so, like, if we think about things like um, uh, the lingo of manifestation that we hear a lot um, nowadays through social media, but the things that we think about most, we bring about. So, so for me personally in my experience again i can't speak for anybody else but i spent a lot of time um thinking about what was happening around me and um and and things like beating myself up mentally or emotionally and so is it is there a connection between beating myself up emotionally and then my body following in tow because our bodies respond to what our 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 minds tell the tell it to do right which is compelling on the one side for like people with radical remission which i can speak about later in my story mm -hmm. um but also the flip side to that is that you know if we're beating ourselves up like <laughs> i'm going to throw this out here and again it might you know i'm it's just a, it's just a, a theory and it's a layman theory at best but it, there are so many women that are impacted by autoimmune conditions, right? We know this, particularly in North America. Women, we've been, you know, conditioned through a patriarchal environment to mm -hmm. be very hard on ourselves. So if we're continuously, you know, thinking about our bodies, thinking about how we're showing up in the world, all these things, and we begin beating ourselves up, is it a surprise then that our cells start beating up our own cells? 
Like, is there potentially or possibly a connection between the way that our that our, we're thinking about ourselves and the way that our bodies respond? So, so if we're gentler with ourselves, if we're kinder and more compassionate with ourselves, is it possible that we can shift the way that our cells are responding to ourselves? I don't know. But, but this is something that I think deeply about and have thought deeply about in the last four years, that connection between like our physical ailments cropped up or minded in my experience as gentle invitations along the way. You know, the gastrointestinal was like a, a knock at the door as a child, which I didn't recognize at that time. The migraines again were like, hey, maybe the way you're thinking, it, it's so literal. It goes right to the spot where it wants your attention, right? It's like your brain is hurting. Maybe that's a, an invitation to think about more deeply about something or, or take a step back and, 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 and think. Um, and now in my case, I have a visual impairment and that it could be quite literal. Like maybe the way that I was looking at the world wasn't, so this is a gentle invitation, well, less gentle, more abrupt invitation to look at the world differently. Um, no, I mean, it all makes sense with the mind body connection. It's just not something that I think I usually have people coming on talking about. They might talk about like, you know, and I'm very, very sorry. I, I did know about, you know, thank God you're still here. I mean, you and I are both very Best passionate. failure ever. Yeah. Right. Like we're very passionate right. about suicide prevention. It's one of the things that I care more about than anything else in the world is getting people, saving people. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Um, but I just want to point out how sorry I am about that. And that thank God you're still here, but let's go backwards a little bit. I want to find out kind of like what, how you got to that place where you were having these physical you said they started in your adulthood, right? So what was the first thing? Was it like I started having headaches or you started having the issues with your, you said you were having stomach aches as a child. Tell me more, a little bit more about that. Sure. And again, I just want to preface and say that this is solely my experience. And so anything that I'm expressing, I'm expressing just from my own interpretation of things and not so supposing that this is the equivalent for anybody else out there listening. This is just my own unique experience and the way that I have processed it for me. Um, but going back, you know, the gastrointestinal distress, I, I, that was, I feel, a gentle invitation at that time. And it was the residual impact of living in a home that didn't feel safe, right? In a, in a space where I didn't have opportunity to speak up or to be the real me that I was placating and learning how to be uh, in a way that would be pleasing to, um, to my parent. Um, so as to avoid anger and the, you know, like the ramifications of the physical piece of that. So, then, you know, moving forward, um, it's not surprising for me, again, in my own interpretation, that then I'm, I'm moving now in a world where I'm continuously manipulating everything around me to stay safe. And, and the way that it's manifesting is now in these, in these migraine headaches periodically, because it's, to me now, I interpret it as an invitation to like, hey, let's look at the world a little bit differently. Let's think about like how like who we are and how we want to show up. Um, and, but it progressed. I didn't answer those invitations, not because I didn't want to, 
because mm-hmm. I wasn't aware and, and, and how could I be right? Like it's the human process. So, um, in my thirties, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm now a parent, I'm, I'm divorced. Um, I'm working, a you know, a, a couple of different careers. I was an, an actor at the time I was, uh, teaching and transitioning into, um, counseling. Um, and, there was a lot of pressure on my plate. Um, I'm also seeking partner, right? Like there's, so there's a lot of like those, those sort of normal pressures that, that come given my circumstances. Um, I, I remember uh, being in teacher college. I don't remember the class. I don't remember who was in the class. I remember watching some video, don't know what it was, what it was called, but there was this one piece that stuck out for me where, where they said, um, it was talking about diversity um, and people's experience and said that uh, that every person is um, one illness away from poverty. And that I carried that with me for so long internally, like that's going to be around the next corner, like what's going to happen. And so again, mm. gently, these things start to increase right in the severity of like the migraines are getting more complex. Then in my late 30s, I step into a relationship that was not a healthy one. And I stay there for four years. And uh, it was, you know, a combination of um, two people that were really not compatible, but there was also elements of, um, you know, gaslighting. And um, I'm coming into the world as a people pleaser, and I'm meeting someone that's probably on the other end of the spectrum, right? We look at empaths and narcissists, and Mm-hmm. And it's the same response. The same thing can happen and we can go two separate ways in our dealing of it, right? Empaths go to the people-pleasing side of things to stay safe. Narcissists craft a reality of their own to stay safe, right? So, so, but putting those two together can be somewhat trying. So I'm in a relationship that's that dynamic. And um, over the course of four years, I'm just getting less and less well. And so these, uh, these migraines are becoming more complex. I'm seeking neurologists after neurologists and I'm getting like, these are basal migraines. These are hemiplegic migraines. These are just complex migraines. Um, and, uh, six, six years ago, right about now, I had finally seen the last neurologist and I had asked if I could get an MRI and really been pushing for that. And he finally agreed to that. Uh, and uh, while I was awaiting, because here in, in Canada, it's a long wait because we're in a public healthcare system. Um, and within a week, I was at work um, and I started to feel unwell that morning. But as I did uh, with migraines, I went to work. I progressed through part of the day. I started to lose my hearing. I started to you'd be vomiting from both ends. Super charming. Um, and, and I was uh, just generally feeling unwell and we have an inkling as humans you know when people are choking they go hide and so in the same case here I was like I excused myself I said to my colleagues I'm not feeling well and at that point I thought I probably have a really bad flu Mm -hmm. Uh, but on the way to the car my whole body began to shut down my right side shut down I was falling into the curb and I literally crawled to my car got into my car um and again you know how the mind works I'm like uh, I'm going to throw up, but I managed to find like a cardboard box in behind my seat, but I pull up the, the floor mat from the passenger side, put it across my lap because I don't want to make a mess. I don't want to make a mess, right? Vomit into the people pleaser, like to the core, vomit into the box, managed to get Siri to call my mom in the interim, right? Still not thinking. 
then by the time I uh, was able to uh, speak to her, she's like, I'm coming. We need to call an ambulance. Yeah. And then I went offline. I couldn't hear and I couldn't see anymore. Like the hearing was faint. So I could sort of, I had a sense of what was happening, but I wasn't moving. Um, I, next thing I heard was like ambulance attendants. I'm loaded into the, into the ambulance. I'm, I'm taken to emergency. Um, and then I'm, uh, I'm just sort of sitting inside my body, hoping that someone's going to figure out what's going on and get me off the ride. It, 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 strokes are very uncomfortable and, um, and painful uh, inside, uh, but there's a lot of dizziness and nausea that happens as well because you just feel like everything is is moving. So, so it was. So it was a stroke, right? Yeah. So I was. I was. Ha- I had been having mini strokes, which had been diagnosed as complex migraines for a period of several years, right? So. So flash forward, I'm in the hospital a couple of weeks. They're doing tests. They're not really sure why. Um, uh, and then they find uh, they do an echocardiogram and find uh, what's called a, uh, a myxoma, which is a, a, a rare tumor that mostly women from 37 to 45 get. Um, they don't know why, um, but it adheres itself in the, in the left atrium where um, it, it had grown to the size of like a small lemon. And so it was um, essentially spewing off pieces of itself into the bloodstream that were acting like uh, blood clots and that were causing these mini strokes as it was growing. Uh, but then as it got bigger, of course, it caused more catastrophic um, events. So um, I had open heart surgery. I had the, the tumor removed. And um, at that point, uh, I still hadn't responded to this being like any kind of an invitation for myself. It was like, holy shit, I almost died. This is super scary. Um, but get back to it. and jumped, launched right back into my life. Um, ended that relationship that I had been in, however, um, and I made the connection between, hey, you grew a literal heart tumor um, in representation of potentially the emotional tumor that mm-hmm. you were having, right? With this partner that it wasn't, it wasn't a partnership. It was, you were, the two of you were doing way more damage to each other than good. And so I did make that loose connection there. Well, but but I can I right ask you one question? Mm-hmm. And I hate, I hate when I talk over, but I, I'm dying no, to know this. Please. We're okay. A couple of things. Were you at the time in school for th- like to become a therapist? No. So I was already, no. I, I, I was already 12 years into my career at that point. Okay. So you, but you were, a, you were already a, a counselor. You were already a therapist at the time. I find it so interesting, which, you know, like so many times people go into this bit, this, this business, because we are, I mean, I'm not a therapist, but at this point, I feel like I should become one. Um, Armchair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because of we're trying to, and for you, it's like every single thing you've told me is like, and I was an overachiever and I was in this trauma bond and I was an actor. I mean, like we have so many parallel things, um, Mm. but I, the, the getting to the point of like having the mini strokes and the having this, this tumor. I mean, this is terrifying stuff and you weren't able to connect the two. Obviously you just were like, Oh, well I'm just getting sick and here's why. And I went through the divorce, which is like a death and I've gone through this and I've gone through that. It's like, it's, 
makes me think like you never up until this point had any kind of breaks in your life, any kind of breaks. Am I wrong? Uh, I mean, I, I guess so. Like it breaks in terms of like, it was just on all the it time. It was on like all the time. Sort of yeah. Study escalation. Yeah. yeah, I would, I would say so. It, it was always that endeavor. Like if I do the next thing, I'll feel better. If I do the next thing, I'll feel better. If I just get here, I'll feel better. And that was always sort of the subliminal or uncon uh, subconscious pursuit, right? Without knowing, again, this is all hindsight, right? In re retrospect, we can always look back and connect the dots, right? But we're not connecting them necessarily as we move through our lives, right? Um, but yeah, for sure, for sure. What it was always sort of a the burning intensity was just like the stakes were getting higher and higher and higher to what yeah. end, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D designed for serious allergy suffering. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D. At your local pharmacy counter, you don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then, and then another thing you said that struck me was, and by the way, to my listeners and to you, this is just, I, I know the beeping of the computer email coming in is so annoying, but I'm recording on a computer and forgot my husband to tell my husband, because I'm the least technical person on the planet, how to turn it off. So there you go. That's what all the beeping is. It's me. I feel like I'm taking away from something every time it beeps, but it's Black Friday or it's what? It's Cyber Monday. So I think they're sending a million emails. Um, so I apologize for that. Um, but on another note, you said something about being in a class and I know I'm kind of hopping all over the place, but you said you're only one. What did you say? You're only one. Um, one illness away way. from poverty like Ugh. two really scary points. Right. And then the line between them. Oh my gosh. Okay. So when you said that, I think the exact same way 
as you do. Whereas a lot of people would be sitting in that class and go, okay. And maybe even not pay attention to that. Right. But it was not the central focus of the no, film. No, right? no, but it's like yeah. part of our brains as trauma survivors where you go, you naturally go to the worst place, right? Totally. Mm-hmm. And it's, and what it is, is it's a, um, it's a, I don't know what it is. I, it's a protective mechanism. It's a, it sounds so strange to say that, but it's like, oh, well, it's kind of like, what is that old thing about like the squirrel gathering all the nuts and putting it in the tree? I told my husband this other day, he was like, what are you talking about? There's a famous cartoon. I'm such, I'm such a moron right now, everyone. I'm sorry. Where it's about like a cricket or something in the winter or squirrel and all the other squirrels. I can't believe I'm telling this on the podcast because my husband thought I was a lunatic. Um, they all get ready for the winter and they put all the like nuts or whatever. And then there's like the one squirrel that parties it up and doesn't prepare for the time. Is that, this is the worst analogy ever, but am I, do you see where I'm going here with this? (laughs) I know exactly where you're going because what I, what I'm hearing is that that story hit you the same way that story hit me that here we are in our uh, 40s talking about this. Right? Yes. Like that here it is still relevant. Yep. Yes. But I and think that's exactly it. Yeah. But I Fear think based. when you said that, it's like, I totally get that. I'm sure a lot of my listeners would get that, but it's like the whole thing about, oh, I see the cup half full. No, I see the cup half empty. It's the whole ex- in thing about you have to be prepared. You're always trying to be like on the defense when the sky is falling and so, and so we get to where you are in the story right now, where it's like you had the stroke, you're in the hospital, you broke up, finally break up with this trauma bond, um, narcissist relationship. And, and then what happened? Well, I think then it's like the rug out from underneath my feet. I mean, mm. now I'm laid flat out. So, mm. so that invitation that was knocking since my, you know, teens yeah. um has now it's not it bust up through the door and it's like hold up right it yeah. punched me in the face yeah probably in the throat yeah and um and, and now I'm like I'm left to sort of try to to figure things so yeah. I had made that connection between um the the literal tumor and the figurative one that I was experiencing emotionally but both in my heart right yeah and so I was able to sort of disband you know like <laughs> Um, and, but at that, that was as far as I sort of went in terms of processing anything. Now I was like, okay, I've got to get back to, if I'm going to feel better, if I'm going to feel better. And so it was a very quick, um, turnaround. Um, I had the stroke, but then I had open heart surgery. The focus wasn't on the stroke recovery because it transitioned very quickly into being more like cardiac related. And so my recovery plan was focused solely on like making sure the heart healed. Um, and I did like cardiac rehab, all those kind of things. Um, so within five or six weeks, if you can imagine, I was up and back at work. Um, and I'm, I'm at work and I know something's off. I, I explained it at that time as like, it felt like something on the motherboard was just a little bit different. Um, but I didn't know what it was. I was flying on the high of like, Hey, I'm still alive. Mm -hmm. Like, 
hey, I'm being rewarded yet again for being pleasing, Yeah, meaning that I'm not making a big deal about what happened. I'm just coming back to work and I'm just falling back into my old life and it's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Yeah. It wasn't fine. It, it really wasn't. So I'm at work. I'm having difficulty doing, performing the basic task of my job. I can't see the, the computer screen. Most of the work that I was doing at that time was in a centralized um, uh, logging database that the software that's provided by the, the authority that I was working for. And I was saving it all written. My clinical logs were all on paper and I was postponing, putting them on computer. Well, almost a year went past and I had a pile of paper this high, but I hadn't made the connection that I maybe needed help and that I needed to ask for some help. So flash forward that year past open heart surgery. Um, one of the things that open heart surgery, um, uh, patients experience through through the years is the propensity towards depression so okay cool put that on there too and um and stroke patients have fatigue and stroke patients have deficit but younger stroke patients um it's not as no it's it's different right it's different the way that it manifests so i have um cognitive um and I know that listening to me talk, it might be hard to hear that, yeah. um, but I have cognitive processing challenges. I get over overwhelmed and overstimulated my, my, my brain. Like this will be the big thing I do today. Um, and I have a visual impairment is, is, is it's called oscillopsia. It means that my visual field is constantly shaking. So I, when I'm looking at screens, for instance, um, because they're pixelated and shaking and my vision is shaking, it makes for just a, you look like an Emily Carr painting. It's just a swirl of color. I know you're there, but I don't, I'm not making sense of it. It's t it can be very tiring over the long, long uh, term to, to look at it. Um, so I'm dealing with all of that. Um, and then, yeah, it was about a, about uh, 14 or 15 months um, being back on the job. Everything was falling apart. I was having a hard time even just like energetically being able to get up and get to work. Um, and then one night I was laying at home and I had this loud interrupting thought of that, you know, in my own voice inside my head saying, you know what, it maybe it would be better if you weren't here. And, um, and again, you know, you, it was almost like I had cornered myself. Like there wasn't anywhere else I could go to feel better. Like that was the thing. My whole life had been this trajectory of chasing the feel better. And now it was like, I there was, I had just pushed myself up against the wall um, and there wasn't a way to feel better. So this seemed like a very logical, very logical way to, to navigate what I was experiencing. I was, I had nerve pain. It hurt to have my eyes open or closed. Um, I was confused most of the time. Uh, life was not a joy. Life was such a, uh, it was, it was a, it was a huge chore and and so I um, attempted, um, and um, I was fortunately interrupted, uh, and then started this next chapter of the last four years, um, where I had to do really start looking at this concept of feeling better and whether whether it was potentially misinformed. And I had this um, this visual experience 
like, uh, or should say visceral experience where I think I was like doing a meditation, like I learned how to do meditation. I was open to everything. You know, when you kind of get stripped of everything that you think you are in situations like that, you are open to everything. So suddenly yeah. I'm like, oh, I'll try meditation. Oh, I'll try all these things that maybe before I would have been like poo-pooing, right? Let me, let um, me ask you a question. I mean, the, okay, so the, the this is a common thing where somebody kind of hits, n- and no pun intended, rock bottom, right? Um, um, but the pain element on top of the like, I don't want to be here, the mental portion of this is the physical of the the loss of, you know, one of our, or I think our most, I mean, which one is most important? I don't know because I've not, thankfully I have all my senses still, but to be in a position where the sense of being able to see is interrupted like that, or, you know, being tired all the time or, feeling like what's the point and being in pain people don't really understand that this is such a big reason why people get to the point that you found yourself in you know that they're they don't see any other reason out because they're in such bad physical pain on top of the mental stuff that you had um can you kind of break that down a little bit more that piece of it I mean, again, like I said at the beginning of the telling, like this is my own interpretation of, of things. Um, my my awareness, I, I drew this out because it, it helps me, like the, the visceral feeling that I had, you know, um, when I started to sort of slow down and look at life in a different way was like, I had been chasing this feel better. I yeah. think that lots of us might have experienced this understanding like when we came into the world that feeling better was always the, the aim but what i what i recognized in the last four years um and it, it's saved my life ultimately is that that's truncated that this what it was meant to say was feel your feelings better as the object so it was never about chasing the feel better because the feel better is fleeting right yeah so we hit that feel better and then it's like i don't feel better And so now we're just like, chase it again, chase it again, chase it again. But suddenly when I was in a situation where I was stripped of everything that I thought I knew about myself and that I lost, I I couldn't work anymore. I lost, I lost my visual independence. I, my life as I knew it had drastically changed all of the things that I was doing. I'm no longer, you know, I'm no longer acting. I'm no longer working. I'm, I'm struggling just to like make it through the, the day and do what normal people or I go, I would say neurotypical because I now have acquired neurodiversity, right? I'm acquired, acquired neurodivergent because of the brain injury that stroke, um, incurred, um, that now to just do what feels like a normal thing for you, for, for many people, not you specifically, but for many people, um, it takes most of my energy. So I started to focus on, okay, feel my feelings better. So the connection for me between here and here Mm -hmm. became well, if what got me into all of these things, all of these physical ailments was because I was, I was seeking to just feel better instead of feeling the feelings, is it possible, again, my theory, right, my layman's theory of like, 
if the way that we feel inside our minds manifests inside of our bodies, is it possible that every single piece of physical ailment that I've had was a reflection of unfelt feelings? Okay, so then this opens up a whole new possibility to me because I see it as, all right, I can sit here in maybe more victim mentality and go like, you know, throw my fists up at the sky and go like, why me? Or I can shift it more into a curious and softened, why me? And ask the question with curiosity and recognize that maybe I could go and feel some of those feelings and allow them to move. Is it possible then that I could heal some shit? I don't know, yeah. but I got nothing else going on. So, you know, while I'm laying here tired and whatever, like maybe I can put my energy and attention to these things. So let, let me, let me stop you one more time. Yeah. Um, you, by the way, you made me cry. And if you're watching on YouTube and if you're not, she held up this really touching, she showed it to me in the beginning and it didn't make sense. But now that you talk about it, it makes sense to me. It, hold it up again. So I, and right. explain so it. it's the visual for me is just, it's, so it's like a crumpled piece of paper and on that piece of paper, it's folded and it reveals the words feel and then better. And this to me has, uh, is my way of expressing like my, my own journey into, to understanding and knowing was that, that I falsely believed coming into the world and moving through the majority of my experience was that to feel better was the goal. When we ask each other, how you doing? Feeling good, good, good. And mm-hmm. that's always sort of like the status quo, right? Is that you're feeling good, you're feeling better. But what I recognized and what this paper displays is that the paper was folded and that if I unfold the paper between feel and better reveals the words you're feeling. So the whole sentence or the whole uh, learning that we were maybe intended to have was that the aim is to feel your feelings better. So then that opens up a whole new realm for all of us. It's like we were, we always, I felt like it was a shortcoming that I didn't feel good all the time or that I was looking at other people and supposing that they were doing something different in their lives that they felt good. And I was constantly chasing that. Now, was that from family of origin stuff? Possibly. But it was also because I'd had to sort of like truncate myself, right? I had to close myself up to stay safe. And so feeling better is like a closed up piece of paper that doesn't allow your feelings to be present, right? We see the, we see that deeper connection. It's like what's happening physically, I'm hiding my feelings, right? To stay safe. Oh my God. I love it so much. Like you made me cry. And I hope if you're watching on YouTube or she just explained it, it just, I, I don't know. It just really touched me. This whole story has really touched me, but also the point of like getting to that point where you don't want to go on anymore and you're stopped. But then was there a spiritual, are you spiritual? Was there a spiritual component of it? Do you believe in that? I know for myself, cause I'm very open with my story of, you know, I got to the point where I didn't want to go on and I was, I've, I, I went on your podcast and my listeners know, and I didn't want to go on and I sat on a beach and I was like, I'm done. And, um, and looked at my daughters and they kind of saved me 
because I realized I wanted to be here. And there was something in me. It was like, whether it be God or whatever you believe in, I talk a lot about the spiritual component of life. Even today, I know this is weird and I'm going off on a tangent and I'm sorry. I was watching, you know, those commercials that they have on, I mean, I was happened to be watching CNN. I was folding laundry because I am a great homemaker. We're (laughs) looping it back. And, um, and it was something about like some, all those medicines that they advertise, which are so gross. Like they, they all like give you diarrhea and are, again, you're going to have a heart attack or a stroke, <laughs> but your skin will clear up. Anyways, this was right. one of these medications and it was an elderly woman. Oh, it was like some leukemia medicine. And I was listening because it caught my, it caught my ear because my dad passed away of leukemia when I was 13. And I was Mm. thinking all of a sudden, like this is how my brain works. I was like, wow, like this is letting these people live a longer life, even though they know they're going to die, you know, that, that they're going to be like, they show them like on a trip and they show them on the commercial, like enjoying this time that they have, even though they don't know. And then I started thinking, just is all during a commercial, by the way. So this is how Megan Judge's brain works. Um, well, I don't know how much time I have left. And maybe this is because I have a birthday coming. I don't know what it was that this commercial really struck mm-hmm. me. And then I went, well, I'm still here. And like, we're all like technically dying, right? From the moment we're born. And then when you just yeah. put up that sign, it was like, you know, feel your feelings, feel the feelings. It was kind of just so symbolic to like your story and what we all have to deal with, whether it be physical, mental, the two put together. It's just, it really, really struck me. And I don't know why I had to tell you that story right now, but I felt like I did. And there's a purpose to those commercials, obviously. Right. There's a purpose Absolutely. for every single thing that you hear, by the way, in your life. And and if you believe that, like I do, I don't know what it is talking to me. Maybe it's my angels or whatever it is, or you and I meeting today and us having our mutual love of cows and understanding that we were both saved. You were saved. You still have work to do. I was saved. I still have work to do. I don't know. I just, I, I had to, I had to go off on that tangent. No. And I think it, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful one. And you, you began the tangent asking like uh, whether or not spirituality factors in. Yes. For thank me. And you. I think, like, Thanks for reeling yeah. it in. You're a good, you're a good podcaster <laughs> that you can do that. <laughs> right. But yeah. I think like that, that's exactly it. Is it that you were having, you, you you were having a spiritual experience in relation to that, you know, very physical or tangible commercial, right? Yeah. Like it, it, it hit something on another level. And so then you're like, oh, you're looking at it, your perception shifts and you see something different, right? Yeah. Like, and I think that- That's where I was trying yeah, like, to go with it. But for some reason I'm ADD and I did not go in that direction. And thank God I'm interviewing you today. That did. Can you tell me- <laughs> in all on in all um seriousness can you tell me yeah. about like this is there a spiritual component that goes along with all of this stuff and if there's I mean, not I, there's yeah. not but i don't know i just find the story 
fascinating and that you were, you then like kind of threw yourself into these feelings and all the things that you were saying, like, whether it be, what did you say? Like meditation, whatever right. it is. Yeah. I mean, there was a, like, I, yeah. And, and like I was saying before, like uh, throwing my fists up to the sky, yeah. right? surely I'm throwing them up to somebody. But when I softened into that curiosity, I feel like that really was probably a, the spiritual connection for me was like, um, and whatever, however you identify, like it's for me, it's just float your boat, float your boat. Um, but for me, it was, I shifted from that, um, you know, I think the Buddhists talk about the four rungs of existence. And it's like, you've got the victim mentality, which is uh, life is happening to me. And then then you shift up the ladder to the the masculine not meaning male but just mm -hmm. we all possess the feminine and the masculine the masculine is that um i happen to life so that's through action-based things like i can i have a, a, a role to play in life and then there's the feminine which is the third rung which is life happens through me right and then of course the fourth rung enlightenment which is i am one with life so I feel like we sort of scale those and, you know, move up and down accordingly, like it, as we're evolving and learning spiritually. Um, and so for me, you know, shaking my fists in that first rung of like, why me of like life is happening to me. Yeah. I've softened over these last four years into a space of life is happening for me. So anything that's coming my way. And in fact, um, last fall, uh, the, the physical learning com continued Megan, um, and I believe it was just a residual, like it was like a little residual from from the, all the other stuff that had happened in the first part. Uh, it's nothing I've manifested presently. It's just it's still there. I faced cancer, um, uh, reproductive health cancer. Um, again, uh, it's a scary thing. The C word is right. Like people, we we don't like that word. Um, but I saw, I, I decided because I've had so many physical pieces coming up and because I've done all of this work in the last four years, I used it sort of as my um, experience, like a new experience to apply what I was learning. So, so this whole feel better versus feeling my feelings better, yeah. I decided that I was wholeheartedly going to step into my the, the cancer experience that presented itself to me uh, again um, i didn't feel a surprise that it had impacted my um, reproductive organs um, i had been in in a relationship um, and my relationship with physical intimacy had been altered at that at that time um, uh, and stuff around consent um, was impacted and so it for me, it was, and, and I think for women that I've talked to subsequent, when when these kinds of things happen, um, where we engage in in non consensual um, intimacy, uh, that we often don't recognize, but we vacate our female reproductive system. So we vacate our vagina, we vacate our cervix, we vacate our uterus for to be safe, right? Not that dissimilar from what we were doing in our for me and my family of origin, right? Yeah. As I was people pleasing. So I go along to get along, but I'm not sharing how I feel. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not, I'm not able to, you know, vocalize the, the no. So, or, or to push or whatever. Right. So instead it's easier to um, leave the space where this is happening, right. To vacate on some level. So 
again, my experience solely. So um, I don't want it to come across as that I think that we invite cancer into our body. But I feel for myself that cancer, I became more susceptible to that cancer um, because uh, for me, because this is the way I've been learning in my spiritual experience. So what I decided to try was, you know, of course, I, I addressed it with um, through medical means, but I also made space for myself in there to do some things myself. So I did say yes to certain treatments and I said no to certain treatments. And I decided that I was going to spend more of my time occupying my reproductive system, however that looked. But I was going to like, hey, um, kind of like how sometimes kids can, you know, misbehave to get our attention when we're not paying attention to them. Yeah. Maybe the cells in that area were misbehaving or getting funky because I wasn't there. So what if I was there? And what if whatever that meant to me? I didn't know. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was like, I'm just going to be like with my cervix and uterus. I'm just going to like hang out there and I'm just going to be like, hey, I'm back, right? Like I left a long time ago. I forgot to come back. I'm really sorry, but I'm here now. And, um, you know, in conjunction with, again, I'm not saying deny medical treatment because it all, everything plays a role, but I started to soften to, cancer and instead of it being about like fuck cancer it was more about like those are still my cells and even if they're funky i love the shit out of them so i'm just going to be with them and be present as uh, you know as much as i can and through that process you know and and the other things i was doing it healed it healed itself wait and- so were you doing like meditation and like like that kind of thing to try and I'm just asking. I mean, yeah, wait. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't, question. I don't need to, I don't need you to go into details you're not comfortable with, but I just wanted to know, cause who knows if I have a listener listening that this could help. Right. Right. And I mean, I've already thrown out the word vagina. So I feel like, you know, that's okay. <laughs> I actually, I actually did an episode pretty recently with my, um, she's a urogynecologist and we talked about perimenopause. And if you're listening your pro- mo- the majority of my listeners are female and you do, you probably have a vagina then. So, or if you cool. don't, and if you don't, you might like a vagina. Yeah. Right? You never so, know, or yeah. you're just mm-hmm. don't, you're not into anything. So there you go. But, right. um, or maybe you came out of a vagina or maybe you ca- you've at we, some point dealt with a vagina in your life right. if you're on the right. planet. So I'll leave some it at point. that. Sure. Um, cool. so tell me about like some of because I find that mentality very interesting. There's a lot of people that think that way. Um, uh, the minute you hear the C word and now this is all making sense because I was like, I think we were scheduled to record like a year ago. Right. And maybe, and so I was like, Oh, okay. I, I I'm thinking back to the time. Cause we had to, you were like, I'm not in the place. This all makes sense now. Um, so tell me, Tell me like what you think about what I just said. Again, like, are we, we're, we're kind of poking sticks in the dark. Like, I'm not going to say that I know for sure that any of what I'm saying is like hard, you know, data proven fact. This is just me engaging in the human experience. Right. And so I'm open to trying different things. Um, and, and it, if it, if it could be true for me, then maybe it could be true for someone else. Right. Um, so I, 
I, I, I, was it through meditation? It was some form of meditation, Megan. It was just like finding quiet and finding still and, and going in, like literally imagining, like feeling all of the muscles in that space and like being really just present and trying to love on it. Because I decided that like, rather than leaning into fear and, and the word cancer, it invokes fear immediately. Right. Mm -hmm. Was that I've done, I've, I've had some hard stuff happen. Surely that was a training ground for this. So maybe I can apply some of the things that I've been learning along the way and see if they work. And if they don't, that's okay. Cause I'm also engaging with the medical system and they're equipped to do what they're doing. So, so you're, and, you were doing both, like it was like using science and your brain. I mean, all of this is connected since the beginning of the episode, we've talked about the, the mind and the body connection. I mean, which is so huge. Right. And, you know, when you hear the word cancer, to me, it's the word one. I mean, it took my dad away at 13, like I just talked about, but right. it's not a life sentence. There's so many right. people now that are walking on this planet and have experienced the C word and they're, they're okay. They're still here. And I hate to bring right. up what I just said, but it's fitting a few minutes ago. We're all, we're all on this planet living to die. Like that's what we are. None of us are getting out of line. We're not, no, yeah, we're true. not, I have news. <laughs> we're not getting out of here. Um, so I think when you tell a story like that, and there's no shame, by the way, in talking about our vaginas. <laughs> I know that like we have so much shame. This is a totally separate episode. And maybe I'll have you come on for a part two to talk about the rat, like the journey and more of this. But due to time, what I really want to close mm -hmm. with is I want to hear about how you're doing today. And I want to hear about your book and your podcast and any other kind of closing words? Because I feel like I feel bad for having a hard stop at an hour, but I I would like to maybe have you come back on to talk more about what you we were end kind of closing with, if you're good with that. Yeah, I mean that would be a great privilege. Thank you, Megan. Um, I, I, how am I now? I mean, life is a you know cliche. Life is a journey, and I um, I no longer have cancer, and so thank you know like thank you for that um i, I uh, i'm living with visual impairment it uh, has radically changed my life and there are limitations i have an acquired brain injury so i am neurodivergent in some capacity uh, and so i have to approach things differently uh, but i feel like it's made me a much more compassionate and gentle human um, i'm way less of an asshole than i might have been um, so that's good for everyone. What's good for me is good for everyone. Um, and it's a good teacher. Uh, I wrote, a, or I didn't write a book. I dictated a book um, because computer screens are not my friend uh, called Rock the Bottom. It's available at cost uh, on Amazon. And uh, we, I co-host a uh, podcast called Rock the Bottom, which uh, interviews people that have experienced uh, experiences like myself or um, uh, just being um, any kind of rock bottom, substance related, life altering changes. Uh, Megan was a was a you were one of our guests, and so I was your favorite guest that you've ever in. had on. Let's I mean, be real. I'm of joking. course, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, yeah, and and but life is yeah, life is just 
it's here for the living and I'm, you know, doing my and best you're to show feeling, up. And feeling your feelings, feeling better. your feelings yeah, better. I'm no longer trying to feel better. I'm just feeling my feelings better. All feeling of your all feelings of better. I'm going to think about that all day. Um, where can my listeners find you? Um, I don't do social media because I don't live in screens. I don't have the capacity to do that, but you can always link to me uh, wherever you listen to a podcast, rock the bottom. You can, you okay. can communicate through that. And yeah. do you, if somebody wants to message you, can they reach out somehow or? Um... There's an Instagram, I think for rock the bottom. Okay. And so and... Uh, they could go on there. Yeah, okay. And, uh, the feel your feelings better concept is within the book as well. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to work on something else to do with that so um hopefully we'll be able to see something okay um well in closing i that you know when i meet somebody like you which i've met you before but when you really break down the stories it's just a it's a really heartwarming nice thing you know um to 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 know that there's somebody like you on the planet and I want you to know that. And I want you to know how much your story has touched me today. And I'm guessing my listeners out there will feel the exact same way that I do. Um, so thank you. Thank you for sharing what you just shared today. Because I really feel lucky to know you and to continue to be in touch. And I think um, you're pretty, you're pretty spectacular. So I hope that you are learning to know that when you're feeling your feelings better in closing (laughs) in closing be happy by making other people happy everyone thanks again judging megan with megan judge mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.